welcome back to another edition of touring the afc south i am your host mike Patton, and on this episode we couldn't not cover the whole afc south and talk about the draft without talking about the afc south champion jacksonville jaguars and joining me on this episode from the florida times union be mr demetrius harvey what's going on man nothing much how you doing Hanging in there, hanging in there. Well, before we get to, uh, of course, before we get to talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and their picks, things like that, you got to do the get off your chest segment. Now, of course, everyone that's, you know, if you're new to the show, I can talk about anything. It doesn't matter. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be the AFC South at all. If you're not new to the show, then you're used to what I'm going to probably say or talk about anyway. So here we go. This one, I'm not going to come down on anyone, even though there are things to probably talk about to come down on people. I am actually going to talk about something that is a positive story. That would be Mr. Shane Ray. Now, for those that aren't aware, uh, Shane Ray was a dominant uh, defensive player in college at the University of uh, at Missouri. I'm sorry, at Missouri. And he was uh, very, very highly touted, was a unanimous All-American, uh, and plenty of people were looking at him like, okay, he's going to be the next guy in the NFL. Well, the Broncos thought he would be the next guy in the NFL. The 2015 draft drafted him with their 23rd overall pick. And he was actually a rookie on the team that won the title with Peyton Manning and, of course, Von Miller. Uh, so, you know, from there, people thought he'd be great. He would, uh, you know, go to go on to uh, get better and better. But what happened was the next season he would have eight sacks, but from there, the next two seasons with injuries and things like that, he only had two sacks total. The Broncos did not pick up his fifth-year option, came a free agent, went to the Baltimore Ravens, did not make the team there, was cut on the final cuts, and then he just disappeared, never to really be heard from for a while. But what happened was he actually reappeared with the um, – the Toronto Argonauts actually in 2021. Uh, so, you know, after being away from a little while, trying to make sure he could help, he had three wrist surgeries, by the way, people, three wrist surgeries. So that's part of the reason why he disappeared. But he came back and he played for the Toronto Argonauts and he actually played pretty well. Unfortunately, he did get injured at the end of that, but it was enough to get him a tryout with the Buffalo Bills. He showed up at the tryout and did his thing and he actually got signed by the Buffalo Bills, which I have to applaud him but because, you know, it shows that you, you you have a dream and you want to chase your dream to not give up on said dream. And he didn't give up. He may have took a couple of years off, but he wanted to make sure he was healthy, ready to go. And it happened for him. And I'm glad to see that he's back, you know, competing for a roster spot when it basically – People had forgot about him. I mean, it's 2023. He got drafted eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely a lot older, probably a lot wiser. And he probably realizes now that, hey, I can't take this for granted. Not that he, he did in the beginning anyway, but he cannot take this for granted. This may be his last shot to make it. So I'm rooting for a Shane Ray. Had to bring him up on the show today. Uh, that's on the uh, the Get It Off Your Chest segment. Now, Demetrius, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I just want to say, you know, obviously when Shane Ray was coming out, I remember him being, you know, a big-time player. He's going to go first round. He's going to be one of the top, you know, pass rushers coming out of that 2015 NFL draft. And then, you know, all of a sudden he comes with, in with Vaughn Miller. That's sort of a perfect setup. 
um, you would think, and he and he did get the eight sacks, but but you're right, injuries and whatever sort of just cast him aside. A lot of these guys do get um, sort of lost, I guess. You know, sometimes they'll get cut and then people forget about them, um, and that kind of sometimes includes NFL teams. You know, they can have their list of players that they would bring in for a tryout or whatever. And sometimes the the name is so low on the list, they just never get the opportunity, you know. So it's, so it's always really cool to see someone getting another opportunity after almost five years out of the NFL. I mean, that's almost unheard of usually uh, to be able to make that sort of comeback. But, you know, he went up to Canada. He did his thing. He's coming back down to U.S. and um, wish him nothing but the best. You know, he's back with Vaughn Miller, who was his best friend on that Broncos team. So it's uh, great news for great news for Shane. Yes, and uh, it, it pays to be good friends with good people. <laughs> that too. But, uh, you know, we, we you know definitely uh, want to applaud uh, Shane Ray for getting that opportunity. Uh, but we, we definitely have another opportunity to talk about AFC South team, and that'd be the Jacksonville Jaguars. No one expected what happened for them last season. Uh, you know, of course, they came up out of the gate a little, little bumpy, and then all of a sudden they caught fire to go towards the end of the season beating the Tennessee Titans to win the AFC South, then a miraculous comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, miraculous if you're on the, the Jacksonville side, I would say. But <clears throat> great comeback. And then, of course, you know, they were competed against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I will say that they did not do that bad against Kansas City Chiefs, just couldn't quite get over that hump to win that game. Uh, but, you know, they this year, you know, you want to add to those different – things that you have on the team or those different holes or whatever. Um, so how did it kind of feel? I want to ask you, Demetrius, how did it kind of feel to be in a different spot than the previous years? You know, you previous years, you're the top 10 draft pick, uh, you know, trying to figure out who you are, things like that. This year, you kind of have an identity already going into the offseason and you're kind of, you know, drafting towards the end of the draft. So how did, was the feeling down there towards the NFL draft this year? Yeah, it was it was a lot different. You know, obviously the past two years, the Jaguars held the first overall pick. Uh, so there wasn't very much intrigue, in my opinion, at least on who they're going to select, especially in 21. Everybody knew that Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one. There might have been casual debates online, but that was never a debate um, in the Jaguars building. Or I, I would I would probably say, you know, you know, 30 to 32, all 32 teams would have had Trevor Lawrence as their number one. Uh, quarterback. So, you know, that wasn't much as much of a surprise the next year, you know, could have been a couple of tackles, could have been Aiden Hutchinson, but Trayvon Walker stood out, Trent Balky guy. But then you get to this year and um, and you're sitting at, you know, what they held as the 24th overall pick, um, you know, originally, of course. And then, you know, you're, you're kind of sitting there thinking, who's even going to be there? You don't really know. And the, you have people saying there's only going to be 15 real first round picks. Um, so if you're basically if you're after 15, then you're you're pretty much picking a guy who has a second round value in some other drafts, uh, whatever it may be. So, you know, it was a lot more it was a lot more complicated. There's different needs that the team has. Um, obviously, after you have a successful season, it's a little bit harder to pinpoint needs because you're like, well, they actually did well in that area. They did well in this area because if you if you win, you're probably doing well in a lot of areas. So just a little different from a coverage perspective on how how we attacked it. Um, and then how the Jaguars obviously attacked their draft, you know, it was a lot different uh, because they weren't fortunate or I guess unfortunate enough to have that high draft pick. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, now, 
Let's see. As far as you know, of course, the draft. The 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 Jaguars actually, you know, they they had the like you stated the twenty fourth pick, but they traded a couple times, which I didn't quite expect that one. Uh, gained a gained a few uh, other pieces, you know, and towards the back end of drafts. But when they did step up and make their pick, they drafted Oklahoma offensive tackle Anton Harrison with the 27th overall pick. Now, you know, in lieu of Cam Robinson's potential suspension, or it, I don't know if it's been uh-huh. announced yet, um, what did you think of this selection? Yeah, it hasn't been announced yet in terms of, you know, Cam Robinson's suspension. It's still out there. You know, he could get zero games. He could get six games. He could get eight games. Who knows? Um but the point is that the Jaguars definitely went in with the idea of, hey, we could be without our starting left tackle uh, for the first, you know, however many games of the season. Obviously, you know, they lost Jawan Taylor, so they, they don't even have a swing tackle because now your swing tackle, who was by Walker Little last year, is moving to full-time starting tackle, whether that had been left or right, depending on what they were thinking. It looks like it's going to be left now. Um, so, yeah, picking Anton Harrison wasn't surprised at all. I thought they would go – offensive line either in the first or the second round. I thought that maybe Osiris Torrance um, would have been the guy at, at pick 24. And, you know, he ended up falling pretty far further than I expected. And there must have been something wrong, uh, medical or, or whatever, just guard value. Um, so, you know, them picking Anton, he was probably the uh, last, I would say, first-round talent tackle that was available. Um, you know, all the other guys had already gone, you know, either in the top 10 or, you know, probably 14th pick or, 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 or 15th pick with the Steelers. Um, so, you know, it, I, I wasn't surprised, but I will say um, I wasn't necessarily surprised that they made the trades that they did because I know that Trimbalke loves acquiring more value. Uh, they got three picks. They were able to trade down. I thought that was a, a masterclass, honestly, of what he was able to do because Anton would have been the pick at 24 regardless. You know, there wasn't somebody who went after pick 24 that, that they would have taken um, because Anton was was higher, he's a bigger need. Uh, you know, Brian Branch was there, I believe. You know, he, I think he went to the to the. Did he go to the Giants? I don't remember. Um, I I but, can't remember on that one. <laughs> well, well, he he went pretty pretty soon after or, or right before that. You know, he was a guy that everyone thought that they might take. Um, but yeah, no, they landed Anton. I think that you know, as long as he works out at right tackle, um, I think they have their bookends. It's going to be interesting, especially with Walker Little. I have this running joke with uh, Mr. Kyle Nash. I'm pretty sure you know who that is. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I have this running joke. Is uh, Walker going to show up little? Is he going to show up big? We always have that <laughs> running joke that we always talk about. But, you know, of course, uh, we're going to get into the rest of the draft picks for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're just going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Whether it's local or long distance, Milligan Logistics has you covered. Milligan Logistics was established in 2020 with over a combined 15 years of experience in trucking, hauling, and logistics, along with over 50 years collectively of project management experience. Again, whether it's near or far, Milligan Logistics has you covered with quality service, efficiency while taking pleasure in exceeding clients' expectations. Need goods moved short or long distance? Milligan Logistics has you covered. Just reach out to them at 615-354-2618. That's 615-354-2618. Or you can send them an email at milliganlogistics at gmail 
gmail.com. Again, that's Milligan Logistics at gmail.com. All right, and we're back. Uh, before the break, talked about going into more of the draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I had a bone to pick with, with the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of this draft. Now, I noticed they drafted a tight end, uh, Brent Strange, which, cool, I get that one because you only had really one tight end with, with real, real experience on the roster in, in Evan Ingram. Um, so I get that pick. But with ETN, Ernest Johnson, Jermichael Hasty, they're on the roster. They jump out there and they select um, our boy from uh, Auburn, Tank Bigsby. Now, I'm trying to get it. And I'm trying to understand it. You already have three running backs under contract that are probably going to contribute. But then you jump out there and draft Tank Bigsby. Now, I know he is a very solid running back. I've seen him play in the, in the, in the SEC. But can you can you explain to me why they would take him this early third round? Yeah, that one's a tough one. And, and even while it was happening, I was kind of like, huh, I wouldn't have, I didn't expect them to go third round. You know, I could have seen, you know, I, I talked about it before, you know, rounds four through seven. I thought for sure, you know, they would take a, well, at least one just because their, their depth, while it looks solid, Dearness Johnson, you know, he's coming in from the Browns. He didn't really have too much play last year. He played the, <laughs> The year previously, he looked good, but, you know, very limited. You don't really know. Jermichael Hasty, more of a scat back. He's not going to be a guy to, to sort of uh, carry the carry the ball too many times. And then, you know, you had some issues with Travis Etienne in terms of conditioning last year. So the, there, there were some reasons to bring in an, an, another guy. But just, you know, what they did at the top of the third – or not the top, but at the bottom of the third round, I was kind of surprised. Um if I could explain it from probably their perspective, um, there were guys that were just gone. You know, they they didn't have the chance to get the player that they wanted, whether that was a cornerback. I think the Michigan kid uh, went went right before. There was a couple other guys that went before. Um, whether it was a pass rusher, you know, the pass rushers were, were pretty top-heavy in this draft. You could see it throughout the whole process pretty much. There weren't that many pass rushers where you go, oh, wow, he's going to compete for a starting job right away because – that was sort of done in the first round, the early second round, and then it was over. Um, so, yeah, you know, Tink Bigsby was probably their top-rated guy at that point. Um, I don't necessarily know if he would have went, you know, in the fourth round probably because, you know, you were already sitting at the bottom of the third. He probably would have went in the fourth uh, around where um, the other kid from Texas went, uh, I think Roshan Johnson. Uh, he, I think he went in, in, in round four. So, you know, you would think that Tank would have went around that same spot. But, you know – I think uh, from their perspective, again, it, it just adds value to the offense. Now you have Travis Etienne, you have Tank Bigsby. Those are your one-two punches. And then you have pretty good depth. You have Hasty, who can play special teams as well. Uh, Dearness Johnson can play special teams. That's going to be interesting to see uh, who's made active on game day because uh, just looking at rookie minicamp over the last couple of days or on Friday and Saturday, really, um, he, he, looked, he looked good. I mean, it's hard to tell without pads, but he looked like – a you know well-built running back who's going to carry the ball a lot and can carry the ball a lot. He looked fast. He looked agile. So when you see him on the field, you can see, okay, well, you know, they took a talented offensive player. And I really do think that their motto this year, um, before, until they can start, you know, resupplying the defense, is going to be we're going to outscore opponents. I think that he's part of that sort of plan. Hmm. 
Okay. All right. All right. Uh, of course, uh, many was made about the Jacksonville Jaguars having 12 picks. Yes, 12 picks. They have more picks than uh, Parker Brothers had games. But <laughs> um, what what was your overall thought on just the, the, the selections of the picks that they made, just overall in its mm-hmm. entirety? Yeah, I mean, to, to make to make that many picks, it was the most in franchise history as well. Um, they made ten picks on on day three alone, which was unheard of too, or not un, unheard of, but it, it, it's a it's a high number. It's it, it's a lot of players uh, for a team that's not rebuilding necessarily. They're not they're not sitting there going, oh, we have to tear down the roster, so there's going to be thirteen rookies that are going to play. You know, no, these guys, most of them, I would say, outside of uh, Anton Harrison, actually. Um, all of the rest are going to be backups, every single one. Um, I, I don't see a single person who you're going to put in there as the key starter because of the players that are already there. Um, so this draft was about depth. You know, they, they needed more depth. They needed cheap depth on uh, on rookie deals. I think that that was part of it. They have some guys that are sort of uh, coming up with expiring contracts. That kind of points to the Ventrell Miller selection. You know, they have Shaq Quarterman who's coming up on his last year. They have a guy in Caleb Johnson who's more of a, flyer that they acquired last season so you know it, it it's not necessarily about acquiring every single starter it, it was more about they needed some depth they they got some high value you know positions later like edge defensive back um you know th- those kind of players so uh, you know overall I, I thought that they did a solid job especially day three um it really just is going to depend on how much these guys can actually bring to the table because if if you don't get any anything out of your day three picks, then I mean it was kind of a waste uh, to not just acquire more more guys or, or better players uh, by giving up some value. I think that that was one of their things is they didn't want to give up too much value in trading up, which is why they couldn't. Um, you know, if they're not going to get much out of these guys, then they then they made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see, but uh, you know. I, I talked about this term on the last uh, one of the one of the episodes last week. Alphabet soup. Now, to me, I think there may be some players that are alphabet soup on this team. Now, mm-hmm. in terms of the draft picks. Now, I'm going to explain to you what that means. Of course, you know if you didn't catch the last one, hey, it's all good. But um, basically, what it means is there's going to be players on this team that are going to be practice players, and then they're going to disappear and be gone. Poof. They're basically just letters, numbers, and whatever out there, and then eventually, like soup, they're just going to disappear. Once, uh, once they're you know, once camp rolls around, so basically, there's going to be a lot of alphabet soup out there. Yeah, I, I, I can totally see that. I mean, you have you have a guy they drafted, uh, the very last pick, uh, Derek Parrish, who was a pass rusher in, in, at Houston, and um, and he's coming in and, and competing as a fullback. He, they, they just converted him to fullback, kind of like Bruce Miller years ago. Trent Bulky, you know, loves that type of player, I guess, and uh, he found an opportunity to. To, to go out and, and and get him you know they they are they struggled in short yardage so that was part of the plan but you know he's a guy that I mean very likely it, it, it's it's hard for me to put him on the 53-man roster with however many players they already have you know we already talked about the four running backs are they going to carry a fifth which is what basically what he would be uh, in terms of when you're allocating you know space on your 53 so I just can't see them having him or holding him plus he's converting um, I really just can't see it. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy that could become, you know, your 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 alphabet soup, if you will, you know, just because he's just not in in that same realm of of player. You know, he's not a Tyler Lacey, 
out of Oklahoma State that they drafted. You know, he's a guy that is just going to be, you know, converting and, and, and hope for the best. So, so yeah, there's a lot of players on, on this list that, you know, they might not even work out. They might not even make the Jaguars 53-man roster, let alone others. So we'll see. Right, right, right. And uh, some of them may pop up on other rosters. We'll see. Yep. We shall see. Now, I have to ask uh, this, of all these draft picks, 12 draft picks, which one do you think is the worst pick? Ooh, it's hard to say the worst pick because you have to kind of factor in, I guess, where they were selected. I, and, and this one, this one hurts me a little bit to say because I covered um, Bentro Miller for for two years um, at Florida. Probably one of the best people in terms of players that I've ever been around. And I wasn't even around him too much. We were just doing zooms and all of that during COVID and everything. But you know, just talking with him and then finally being able to talk with him in person for. Uh, like, you know, the summer before last year, before I got the gig at the Times Union to cover the Jags, um, he's just a, a great guy. But at the at the end of the day, uh, taking a linebacker, inside linebacker in the fourth round, when you have all these other needs, you have quarterback needs, you have edge needs, that they still have needs on the roster. Those are not, you know, resolved or anything right now. Uh, that was a risk. That, that was a, to me, it just didn't make sense. Um, he's a good player. Uh, he has his his limitations. He was hurt the past two years. I thought it was a little high for for all of those reasons uh, to take him. And so if I had to say like a worst pick, it would be that um, the player is not the worst player, but just in terms of everything that's surrounding him, uh, I think that was the worst pick. Yeah, I I, uh, I kind of agree with you there because I kept wondering. I'm like, okay, they're gonna pick a cornerback to go with Tyson Campbell eventually, right? I kept thinking that. And I was like, Williams is a slot guy. They know that, right? I kept thinking all those different things while I kept looking at their draft picks, and I'm like, okay, they're gonna pick a corner. They're gonna pick a corner. They're gonna pick a corner, and they didn't pick one until what the sixth round. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they, they waited until Christian Braswell. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I think Braswell has a, a great opportunity to make the team. But, you know, it's still – you waited a long time to draft a corner, which I thought was very interesting. Um, now, I will say the value pick, the value pick for me, I'm going to go to the best pick. I'm going to just throw mine out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be Cooper Hodges, the guard from Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. You know Jacksonville needs offensive linemen. And Cooper Hodges has a great opportunity to step in there and be either a backup or a swing guard or whatever you want to be but to make the team. So I, I definitely think Cooper Hodges was a value pick for them. I could, I could agree with that. Yeah. He, um, he's actually from Jacksonville. Well, Baker County, which is just West of Jacksonville on I 10, um, you know, so he's a, he's a local kid. It, it was a, it was an interesting selection. You know, I had never watched him of course, uh, before the draft, I didn't know anything about him. Um, so when they selected him and I had to do my research, but from what I saw, you know, he, he has some talent. I think that the biggest thing, especially with offensive linemen late, they have to have the size, they have to have the, the, the measurables. They have to be able to, you know, there are certain things that you look for where you go, okay, you can take a fire on him, coach him up, and if he works out, he works out. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's, it's not a big deal. So I did think that that was a pretty good pick. Um, I would say the biggest value to me was Antonio Johnson, round five, and honestly, the, the later part of, Around five, I was kind of surprised that he fell that far. And I know that the league is changing in terms of safety play. I know that you have to be able to be faster and probably more versatile. Um, and he's not necessarily that guy that's going to cover the tight end on a consistent basis or cover the slot receiver on a consistent basis just because that's not his game. 
Um, you know, I think that he's more of an in-the-box guy who can cover in a pinch. He can cover, you know, when, when, when you need him to, especially in the red zone. Um, but but he's not a guy that's going to be out there flying around like a Isaiah Simmons or something like that. So um, I was kind of surprised he fell, though, still, because he has that talent. He has, you know, probably – you know, maybe in maybe five years ago, he would have went round two, you know, that 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 sort of talent. So uh, he was probably their their best selection, I would say. And watching him over the last couple of days, um, he looks really long and, and lanky. You, you kind of think that he's a, a, a cornerback out there, you know, one of those prototypical old school Seattle Seahawks corners. So um, it's going to be interesting to see his role moving forward. But, yeah, I think that was the best one. Yeah, you know I'm I'm definitely older when you say old school Seattle corners. I, know, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been ten years now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it has been some time. Yeah, and then, you know everybody out there was six foot and above, which except for uh, except for uh, Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is the yeah. only one that was a short guy, but everybody else <laughs> six foot and above. But mm-hmm. of course, uh, thank you for kind of giving us a little bit of insight for the Jacksonville Jaguars and their draft. But the show's not over. There's always a game. Five questions, two answers, and one choice. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. This one's going to throw you off the first one. Mace or Lil Duval? Both are born in Jacksonville, by the way. Who would you roll with in terms of uh, their music? I would roll with uh, Lil Duval, only, if only because he's so funny. I don't know if you you follow him on Twitter, but the guy, it seems like every day I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Uh, so so I would probably roll with him. That that was a question that threw me off, but but, but yeah, I think that Lil Duval would be a guy that I'll be I'll be rolling with. He actually, you know, he does a lot of things with the Jaguars, or at least used to. Mm-hmm. He would go to their events. He would do little things like little side gigs for them. Um, I don't think he threw on like threw on a concert or anything like that, but. Yeah, he's really in, in, indebted in into Jacksonville, so it's really fun to see him uh, go out there. Yeah, definitely, and I, I'm pretty sure folks are like thinking of myself, thinking thinking of themselves like Mace. Mace was born in Jacksonville. Yes, I actually looked it up. He was born in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> he may have grew up in Harlem, but he was born in Jacksonville, Florida. That's okay, it. now ETN runner pass. Which one is the more exciting play for watching? Travis Etienne on the field. I think I think running. I mean, he's 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 one of those guys you 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 hand the ball off and then all of a sudden he's going 80 yards down the field. I think he has that talent. I think he's shown it, you know, plenty. He he he's it, it, people knocked him last year because he would get uh, not caught, but he would like almost get there or go in the wrong hole or what have you. But once he gets free and once he gets a clear path, he's gone. His hands aren't necessarily the best. I mean, that was shown last season. Um, so, you know, I, I think that him get just getting the ball handed off to him, doing his thing, I think that's that that's where it's more exciting. Okay. All right. We got Calvin Ridley. 1,100 yards receiving this year, over or under? That's so tough, man. So he thinks he's a 1,400-yard receiver. And, 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 and what he means by that is that he has that, you know, that that that, that caliber of, of play within him. Um, I just can't see him getting to 14 just because – of the other talent around him. I mean, if he gets to 1,400, what, what does that say about Evan Ingram's production? What does it say about Christian Kirk's, Zay Jones? Um, so 1,100, I would probably uh, – it's so tough. I, I haven't even seen him play, you know, in, in, in years. I would say under for now, and that will probably change by midseason, and by then it's too late, but I would go under 
just because I think that, you know, there's so many other players that are going to have to get the ball that I just don't think he's going to get enough uh, targets in order to 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 get that to that number. Plus, you know, this is his first year back in a couple of years. So you got to factor in the rust. Right, right. Anton Harrison, over or under 12 starts this season? Over and under 12 starts? I would say um, I, I'm going to say over. You know, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say that, you know, uh, Cam Robinson's not going to play for the first at least four games. Um, that's going to give uh, Anton at least 12 games starting at right tackle. And I, if he plays well, which I think he will, um, I think that he's just going to remain there. I, I just can't see them. If, if Walker Little and Anton Harrison look great over the first four games of the season, I don't see why they would just then just go ahead and throw Cam back in there um, unless they really felt like he would give them a, a great push. So uh, I would say over for now, which which might be a little bit um, a little bit off. Well, I will say this. Walker could come up little. So it could be moving uh... – Moving, you know, Anton Harrison to the other side and putting Cam Robinson in, perhaps. But you know, we'll see perhaps. what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, last one, I believe, uh, <clears throat> Derek Parrish, I believe, is the guy you talked about. Mm. All right, if you had to say now on this team, being that Trent Baalke is the guy that brought in Bruce Miller, mm-hmm. would you see this guy with his versatility of playing the defensive line and fullback? making the team, if you had to say so right now, and you know the love that Trent Baalke has for these type of players. He does. I, I'm going to say no. I'll just I'll just say that right now. I'm going to say no. He's not going to make the team. Uh, but but he, you're right. You know, he does love that, that fullback position. Um, they didn't use him. They didn't use a fullback last year. So it was a little bit, you know, surprising when they came out and said that they might go that direction this year. Um, I'm not buying it personally. I don't buy that they're going to all of a sudden go to this old school fullback model. Um, I don't think that there's enough touches or enough snaps, I should say, on the field for a guy to carry on that 46-man active roster, like the active game day roster. Um, and then to me, that means that why are you carrying that guy on the 53-man roster? Um, I think barring something sensational, like he looks great during camp, he really improves the team, he's going to be a starter pretty much. Uh, barring that, I, I just can't see it. Um, he he looks a lot like a converted um, pass rusher to fullback during 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 minicamp, uh, dropping a lot of passes, things like that. Th- that's expected. It's not really a knock on him, um, but it just goes to show. I think there's a lot there's a learning curve that he has to go through, and uh, I think that's going to take more than a couple months, is, which is what we have until the 53 is uh, is is actually out. All right, you know. So basically, what you're saying is he's not a Kyle Uzcheck. Basically. No, he's not a copy. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Shoot, you never know. Yeah. Hey, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it's five questions, two answers, and one choice. You are off the hot seat, Mr. Demetrius Harvey. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for giving us your in-depth knowledge for the uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you can, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what all you're working on. Absolutely. So you guys can find me on social media um, at Demetrius82. That's on Twitter. I don't really use Instagram, though I probably should. I don't really use Facebook, um, which I probably should as well. But you can also find my work uh, at jacksonville.com. It's that simple. Uh, Just kind of navigate through the site. I know it's a little tough. Uh, That's not on me, but it is what it is. Um, We have schedule predictions I just put up today. A lot of Jaguar fans are mad at me because of the 
losses that I chose, not necessarily the, the, the number of wins. I have them going uh, 12 and five for a little bit of a spoiler, but you get the game by game wow. reaction. Um, you get the game by game uh, reaction from me in that article. And then there's other stuff on there and, and anything Jaguar related. I've done it or, um, or my coworkers have done it. So just check it out. All right. All right. And uh, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Again, if you don't know, my name is Mike Patton. I am the host of Tour the AFC South. You can find me on Twitter at MikePatton82. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-T-T-O-N 82. You can also find me on Instagram at the, that's T-H-A, not T-H-E, underscore general, underscore M-P. And of course, you can find Tour the AFC South on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, anywhere you need it, you can find it. And you can also go on YouTube and look at the visual version. Like, hey, we see you. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you all for uh, tuning in and uh, watching the newest episode of Touring, Amp- Touring the AFC South. We're out. Peace. Peace.